NPR. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Darian Woods. And I'm Sasha Pfeiffer. Sasha, thank you so much for joining us from NPR's Investigations Desk. Thank you for having me on the show. You have done a lot of reporting for NPR on the Paycheck Protection Program, or PPP. Yes, I have. And Darian, you obviously remember that at the start of the pandemic, there was this huge worry that we were going to see just a gigantic increase in unemployment. So this federal program was created. Yeah. The idea was it was going to prevent that unemployment from happening by giving potentially forgivable loans to small businesses. The idea was that it would save jobs, and it was a lifesaver for many people. Right, but it's also widely considered a massive government giveaway. Billions of dollars went to companies that didn't even exist or didn't need it. Yes, and these loans were very easy to get. And, by the way, the federal government is unapologetic about that. It says it had to gush money out there as fast as possible to prevent possible economic catastrophe, and the amount of money it gushed, almost $800 billion. Jaw-dropping. And And the government knows that a lot of that money went to fraudsters and to companies that thrived during COVID. So you might assume that it was very strict when deciding which loans to forgive. Yes, you would assume that. But that is not what happened. The vast majority of PPP loans have been forgiven. Today on the show, how the Paycheck Protection Program worked, why it was so lenient at the front, and we'll also hear from one business that defied expectations and voluntarily gave the money back. That's all coming up after the break. This message comes from NPR sponsor E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, their tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Now when you open an account, you can get up to $1,000 with a qualifying deposit. Terms apply. Learn more at eTrade.com slash NPR. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC, member SIPC. E-Trade is a business of Morgan Stanley. Support for NPR and the following message come from State Farm. As a State Farm agent and agency owner, Lakeisha Gaines understands the support small businesses need. Every day we get the privilege of helping people to recover from the unexpected, realize their dreams. For small business owners, we help them to think about all the things that are necessary so that they can continue to run their businesses successfully without interruption. Talk to your local agent about small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Sasha, let's time travel in our minds back to spring 2020. That's when the COVID lockdowns were beginning and wide-scale layoffs were happening. Right, that felt like economic Armageddon. So the government quickly created the Paycheck Protection Program. The rules were it was for businesses with no more than 500 employees. Companies could get up to $10 million in loans to help cover payroll and a few other expenses. Billions of dollars started flowing, and immediately there was public uproar. Lots of celebrities, lots of um, investment banks. A uh, number of high-powered, well-connected people here in Washington, lobbying firms. You got country clubs, private jet companies, billionaires. To get a loan, companies simply had to pledge that the uncertainty of the current economic conditions make necessary the loan request. Right. Pretty vague, right? Yes, very vague. That technical term was called self-certification. Well, Darian, surprise, surprise, a lot of companies self-certified that shouldn't have. 
Eventually, there were House oversight hearings, and here's former Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin at one of them. We thought that people would self-select appropriately, and unfortunately, there were a number of companies that were high-profile that took the loans. And I... Some big businesses were pressured to return the money, and to their credit, some did, like Shake Shack and the L.A. Lakers. Yes, but most companies kept it, even ones that didn't have to lay people off. Darren, remember how once things stabilized for a lot of industries after the first few months of COVID, the construction industry, for example, was desperate for workers. COVID ended up being very profitable for many construction firms, but they still got PPP. Overall, three rounds of PPP loans went out, and they totaled $792 billion. The program's estimated to have saved around 3 million jobs, although each job saved cost up to $258,000 in government funding. So this is a very expensive way to preserve employment. Yes. Now let's fast forward to when it was time to repay those loans or ask for loan forgiveness. Over time, the rules kept changing, and eventually the program made almost any use of the money legal. And most borrowers could get the full amount forgiven just by submitting a form promising they had used the money correctly. We promise. And that meant that hordes of scam artists got their loans forgiven. By one estimate, $64 billion of Paycheck Protection Program loans showed signs of fraud. And countless legitimate businesses were allowed to keep the money even if they would have, you know, ridden out the pandemic just fine without it. And Darian, it's been about two years now since I've been covering this program, and I have pressed a lot of government officials about why they didn't do more to prevent fraud and waste. And really, they get a little testy when asked that question. <laughs> One person I spoke with is a former Treasury official under President Trump named Michael Falkender. Because PPP got up and running, we did not realize the catastrophe that could have taken place had we failed. What would breadlines during a pandemic have looked like? Do we want to know? I didn't. And so we were going to get that program up and running. And it's understandable in a way that at the front end, with all that fear, the government prioritized speed over accuracy because it says the situation was urgent. Now, Falkender told me on the back end, Congress wanted forgiveness to be easy. That lenient forgiveness process continued under President Biden. Darian, so far, 96 percent of all the PPP money has been forgiven. Here's what a former Biden official in the Small Business Administration named Patrick Kelly told me. Congress never took action to give this administration authority to say, you know, it turns out that you probably didn't need that loan. Can you please give the money back? But some businesses did give the money back, even though they didn't have to, like in Massachusetts. I am Robert J. Morrill, and I am an attorney and former managing partner of the firm here at Gilmore Reese & Carlson. Bob had worried that the pandemic might hurt business, but it turns out it didn't. The law firm never had to lay anyone off or reduce hours or cut pay. It even turned a profit during COVID. Darian, I visited Bob at his office, and he had a big pile of paper ready to show me. And this stack here, I have our application for the PPP loan, and I have the loan paid in full. It was $694,930, and we actually paid interest of about $5,600 on that amount. He says his firm was able to survive without the money, so keeping it would have felt wrong. And it bothers him that more companies didn't also give the money back. I don't want to sound self-righteous, but the people at the higher wealth end of the spectrum that kept it, that didn't need it, yeah, I got a problem with that. 
And Darian, even though I pointed out to him how high the forgiveness rate is and how easily his firm's loan could have been forgiven, he says he has no regrets. Because I would have felt guilty. And where the money would have ended up is in the pockets of the shareholders of the company. And that's where most Paycheck Protection Program money actually did end up. One study found that up to three quarters of all PPP loans went to their business owners, their creditors and their suppliers, but not to workers. And that just doesn't sit well with Bob. I believe in capitalism and I don't see it as my place to have my business subsidized by the government if I don't need it. And that attitude makes him a bit of a unicorn, at least for the PPP program. And and Darian, I've been talking to so many people about this issue, economists, policymakers. They were all quite taken aback by the idea that someone would repay a forgivable loan out of essentially benevolence. No, I haven't heard about a lot of cases of that happening. That's a University of Chicago finance professor named Eric Zwick who studied the Paycheck Protection Program. And the reason he hasn't heard about a lot of cases is because there are not a lot of cases. Not just that he hasn't been trying hard enough. Correct. (laughs) So, Darian, I worked with NPR's data reporters to analyze data from the Small Business Administration. And we found that of the 11.5 million PPP loans issued, only about 73,000 were repaid without requesting forgiveness. 73,000? That's just six-tenths of a percent. It is not really a dent in that $800 billion. No, but Eric has a parable for that. It's like the the kid throwing the starfish back into the ocean after the storm. Do we all know this parable? I did not. Right. So Eric explained to me that it's about a bunch of starfish getting washed ashore, and a child starts putting some back in the water, and someone approaches the child. And the person's like, you know, you can't possibly save them all. Why are you, why are you doing this? And he's like, well, it makes a difference through this one as he throws one into the water. So put another way, just because an action is small doesn't mean it isn't worthwhile. Now, many economists hope if there is another giant crisis that results in a giant government stimulus, that the government will have better checks and balances. But in the meantime, prosecutors have up to 10 years to chase pandemic fraud. But they won't be going after companies that didn't need a PPP loan but were eligible anyway. Yes, although on the point of companies that didn't need it but were allowed to keep it, Bob Morrill has a wish. Could the government come out now and say, hey, guess what? If you still have this money, return it. That's probably pretty naive. It's a triumph of hope over experience. It is, yes. This episode was produced by Julia Ritchie with engineering by Debbie Daughtry. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Kate Cannon edits the show, and The Indicator is a production of NPR. Do you wish stories could unfold over three hours rather than three minutes? You tired of doom-scrolling? Trying to find humanity? Or maybe a deeper understanding of why the world is the way it is? Listen to Embedded, NPR's original documentary series. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor Greenlight. Want to teach your kids financial literacy? With Greenlight, kids and teens use a debit card of their own, while parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and savings in the app. Get your first month free at greenlight.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch.